James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And boy, oh boy, is it a Saturday. If you would like to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is your number, 800 848 9222. We await Derek Hunter. Probably just waking up after a busy party weekend. Um, Making himself a lemon ice. Yeah. Um, In the meantime, let's do some story. Look, folks, the news is everywhere this morning. There's so much, so much going on. There's been a story I've been wanting to get to for the last three days. And right now, with everything that happened in the uh, in in the last overnight, I'm wondering whether I'll have a chance to do it justice. And that is a story which I think is really uh, one of the more important stories. It's about health care and the elderly. I've been talking about it for a few days, but I want to start with just a few New York centric stories because, after all, Mayor Adams, the Democrats tell us that New York is a wonderfully safe city, safest city, all the big cities, New York, New York. So just a few things. And I kind of went off on Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene for saying that New York was disgusting, it stinks, and all the rest of the stuff she said. I took a little heat from people. Oh, you know, she's right. Yeah, but it's like, this is our city. We can say that, but, I mean, she... Anyway, I don't want to revisit that. So this might sound odd as we go through New York, New York. Uh, Cops yesterday released the photographs of a fugitive ex-convict who's wanted in a sucker-punching robbery. See, you don't need guns. You can just sucker-punch elderly people. He killed a Brooklyn man, and the, the guy wasn't elderly. He was 55 years old. He killed a Brooklyn man who was devoted to taking care of his elderly mother. The ex-convict, career criminal, career criminal. Now, what does that say? Career criminal. A person that has made a career out of crime who's still walking the streets of old safe New York under Mayor Adams, under the Soros prosecutor, Bragg. Now, Bragg represents New York, Manhattan, not necessarily Queens and all of But we've got another uh, Soros prosecutor that we're going to talk about today. In fact, Melissa Fine is uh, due to join us, reporter Melissa Fine, later in the show to talk about that. But let's get back to this. Police are on the hunt for career criminal Philip Myers, who brutally mugged 55-year-old at the end of March as the man walked home from his Diker Heights mini market where he withdrew drew some cash. He sucker-punched the 55-year-old man from behind, repeatedly kicked him in the head and body before Stealing his cash and leaving. Now, the guy has been identified, 45-year-old suspect, who sometimes uses the name of uh, 
Philip Mastridge. He's, he's from Brooklyn. The guy has apparently a rap sheet that's as long as anybody's finger. Career criminal, known career criminal. Daily News has this picture today. Another one of these career criminals, a guy who spent his whole life crime after crime after crime walking the streets of New York City instead of being in jail. Then go out to Queens in the safest city. Thank you, Mayor Adams, Mr. Safe, Mr. Safe Mayor in the safe city of New York. Suspect busted in the Bronx for shooting a rookie cop after a dispute over a bus seat in Queens. Devin Spragans charged with the attempted murder of New York's uh, police officer, Brett Bowler, and charged with criminal possession of a weapon. You mean the criminal figured a way to get a weapon, a gun, even though the guns are already illegal? Oh, how does that happen? Can you imagine? We have laws against that. And he managed to get a gun, even though we have laws against it. Oh, my. He was in custody 30 hours after the shooting. When he was being led from the 103rd precinct, he gave everybody the middle finger. He boarded the bus at 160th Street and Parsons Boulevard. Oh, well. That's where, over near where the Q3A used to be. How do I know that? Because I took that bus for many, many years on Parsons Boulevard. And it was one of those, and you folks, you know, you know this part of the culture. Why are you looking at me? You're in my seat, he says. And then he starts to escalate. Why are you looking at me? And then the uh, criminal here, young 22-year-old guy, says he ran from the bus because he had a gun in his waistband. And the gun just went off by itself and struck the New York City police. It all happened by itself. The gun I'm not supposed to have went off by itself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for a change, he's not being bailed out. He's being held, held without bail, and we should celebrate that. Whoa. I mean, this is getting tough. Tried to murder a cop, and, he's get, and he doesn't have bail. Let's see whether that continues. And then we have the 18-year-old strap hanger, 18-year-old kid riding the subways near Barclays Center, in Brooklyn, he deaded. He was murdered. Riding the D train. Somehow another argument broke out. Young man killed, stabbed in the stomach. He deaded now. 
bled out on the platform. This is Eric Adams, Safe New York. Hey, come on, party with Eric. It's all safe here, safest city. New York uh, Post has a story today I find quite interesting, too, about all the restaurants now that are so busy, they're imposing a 90-minute limit on customers. You After 90 minutes, get out. Get out. We need the seats for more people. Get out. Well, I want to order some more food. Get out. little New York hospitality here in safe New York. We have people that that call here occasionally that are in the restaurant business. I'd be curious to know what they think about that. Okay, those are the New York stories. We're going to take a quick break. Derek Hunter has finished his lemon water, apparently. And um, we're going to wind it up with Derek. There is so much in the national news. Derek, we're going to start with Tennessee, just so you know. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you here on WABC. It's a Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We invite you, if you want to be part of the program, 800-848-9222. Coming back right after these words. WABC. WABC, we are the crown jewel of American radio. This is Freddie Hubbard, who celebrated a birthday yesterday. You know, I research what happened on this day in music before the show every day. I did all my research yesterday. Not a word, not anything in any of the sites about Freddie Hubbard. And then, of course, all over the internet, I follow a lot of musicians and so forth on Twitter. It's like, happy birthday, Freddie Hubbard. Now, Freddie Hubbard, this is going to be blasphemy to some of you people that are um, like really jazz aficionados. This will be blasphemy, and I apologize in advance. I love Freddie Hubbard more than any other trumpet player ever, period, including Miles. And I mean, I love Miles. I love Clifford. I love Dizzy. I love all of them. But Freddie Hubbard is has always been, from the first time I've heard him, Red Clay, my very favorite. And this song is called Happiness Is Now. A shout out to my childhood friend who's also in heaven, Kevin Smith. He and I used to listen to this album for hours. It's from the Skagley album. Still sounds good. We have Derek Hunter here, ladies and gentlemen. 
Derek, 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 I have been so looking forward to speaking with you. You have your lemon juice all done. You're, you're good, Derek? <clears throat> it's water with lemon. And, uh, yeah, I don't have it all done. I have it in front of me. I also have my uh, pumpkin seeds. Your producer asked me if I was ready to go, and I said, well, don't don't make them come to me right away. I'm about to eat a handful of pumpkin seeds. So that would have been like, what's going on? Breakfast of champions. Breakfast of champions. Pumpkin seeds and lemon water. Saltless pumpkin so... seeds. Let's remove all the flavor from them. But saltless pumpkin seeds. It sounds so healthy, Derek. That's I good. Know. I have been hitting the gym every day for the past two months. I am down 25 pounds. I'm very proud of myself. Oh, Derek, that's awesome. And it's also inspiring. I need to get my behind back in the gym. Every single day for the past two months I have been there. I do at least an hour on the elliptical, and then depending on how crowded it is, uh, crowded it is, I'll hit various weight stations. Wow! All right, Derek, love it. Okay, let's do Tennessee. Derek, I have never seen anything so stupid in my life. These stupid Republicans! How stupid! How utterly stupid! Stupid! Do you have to be? I would agree with you if you're talking about they should have tossed the white lady too. Are you, are you and that was exactly that? the point that I made yesterday. Okay. Yeah, I don't understand. So here you have a story. Derek, you have a story. Let's not forget the real story here. A transgendered mass killer yeah. kills children and teachers in a Christian school. The FBI takes his manifesto. We haven't seen the manifesto because they're keeping it hidden. They from everybody. They need, they need more time to pass so people forget. The White House actually won't even consider the prospect of it being a hate crime. Let, yet when uh, the Buffalo shooting happened at the black supermarket, the uh, White House had no problem whatsoever the, the next day going, this is, uh, we, don't, we don't need to wait to see it as, as a hate crime. Um, not all hate crimes are created equal. This one, maybe this was a love crime or an indifferent crime in the eyes of uh, the historic Jean Pierre. It's hard to say, but you're look. They, I don't know. I had it explained to me yesterday, and I didn't fact check it because I I don't know how you'd fact check it. But the difference was between the two Justins and the uh, white lady is the Justins used a megaphone and the white lady didn't use a megaphone. Oh, big deal. I don't know that that's true, and I don't think that makes much of a difference to me when you're standing there in solidarity and screaming just as loud. I don't care how amplified your voice is. You are disruptive to the legislative process. The only other thing I could come up with is the uh, 60-year-old white lady is, like, super friendly to somebody she sits next to who happens to be a Republican because it was won by, by one vote. Uh, it was super friendly, and they felt bad. Like, I don't want to be, I can't vote against Betty or whatever her name is. But they should have tossed her out. They should have tossed her out because it took a stance that was principled and just gave the Democrats the opportunity to say this is all about race. And you never provide ammunition to your enemies. Well, they just did. I know, I know. I get it. And Kamala's down there. Kamala's down there, was down there straight from Africa. Of course. Yucking it up. Obama came out of whatever, wherever he's been hiding. Jesse Jackson came out of political retirement to address this one. Jesse Jackson came out of visiting his illegitimate children 
and great grandchildren oh. to uh, to see it. Now, my favorite. Listen, the Obama statement. <clears throat> I have a, a something to say about this. Barack Obama took to his Twitter. He said. This nation was built on peaceful protest. I thought this nation was built on racism. I, I, I'm surprised. I was surprised to hear that from Barack Obama. I thought it was also built on misogyny and hatred and whatever. And I thought this nation was built on rock and roll. Yeah, well, we built this city on rock and roll, not the nation. Not the nation. And it says uh, no elected official should lose their job simply for raising their voice, which they did more than that, especially when they're doing it on behalf of their children. I love the way that the left always does this. They have this, we care about everybody, especially this group. Now, could you imagine if you've got, let's just say you've got uh, 10 brothers and sisters. And you go, we love everybody equally, especially Joey. And you're like, wait a minute, what, Joey, what the hell? Joey's so special. It, it, they always do that. This, this piece, this tax bill will impact Americans horribly, especially black trans women of color. And you're like, wait, how the hell does that work? If it's bad for everybody, it's bad for everybody. How does it especially hammer? First of all, I mean, how many trans women are super high taxpayers? I can't imagine that that's really a growth segment of the economy. But uh, how does it hit people? They always find a, a favored group and separate them out and say, especially them, especially them. So Barack Obama starts off saying nobody should lose their job for raising their especially when they're doing it on behalf of children. But if you're doing it on behalf of say, the Second Amendment rights or taxpayers or anybody that we don't like, then you maybe should lose your job when it comes to that. They, um, <clears throat> the Democrats do this all the time. They do it constantly. They always have these little caveats of things where, like, oh, all right, Rashida Tlaib, this is fascism. Expelling your political opponents for demanding action on gun violence when children are dying is disgusting. Now, if you take that sentence, it's stupid. But if you're expelling your political opponents is disgusting. There you go. But they threw that little caveat in there. Only when you're doing it to liberals, just like Barack Obama. If, you, if you're doing it for any other reason, it's not cool. But if you're doing it for something we like, then especially it's bad. If you're doing it against guns then it's bad. Um, they always find a way, because then when you turn it on them, when something happens and you're uh, moving legislation, this will, this will help save children's lives. Hey, we're going to ban abortion after you know eight months. How about you just make up your mind, poop or get off the pot? Eight months is all right, because the kid can basically apply for a, a, an NEA grant at eight months in the womb. It's old enough to do that. So how about we just not kill that baby? No, we can't do that. That's Import, that's ridiculous. No carve-outs or anything like that. They don't want any exceptions to anything except for the things they like. Exactly. Right? Now, this woman legislator, Gloria, uh, Gloria uh, Johnson is her name, she, told, she had an interview with Mother Jones, the left-wing pub, mm -hmm. and she told them that there is more democracy in North Korea, uh, North Korea than in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> and and this, is, this is standing... And I'd say AOC. there's more more Democrats in North Korea. I mean, ideologically, they're they're brethren with the North Korean <laughs> communists. So in that sense, maybe that's what she meant. AOC is going on the war path. She's warning Republicans. Some say it's inciting violence. You just wait. We're not going to do. We're not going to take this. You just wait. We're Generation Z. We're not going to. Sounds like a call to action for Antifa. Yeah. Um, and then you have.
but but still, this dude. What amazes me, Derek, and I'm going to go back to this. I'm sorry, I don't want to belabor the point, but the absolute political stupidity. If you're going to take a vote and you realize that this vote, no matter what you do, because there were warning tags already, even before the vote happened, there was national coverage. Hmm. If you're a politician and you're in charge, let's say, of the Tennessee House of Stupid Republicans, wouldn't you at least do a whip count and make sure that the out you're going to have the outcome that you want? Okay, let's tally it up before we take a vote and see where we're at in this thing. And then if you realize, uh oh, looks like we're just going to kick out the neat, the 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 the, uh, the the black folk and let the white girls stand. Wouldn't you think that uh uh this is not going to be good optics? Let's not do this. I mean, come on, what does it take for? Stupid Republicans to learn politics 101. This is I'm infuriated by this. This need not have happened. This and there's no defense for it. You're getting emotional when you shouldn't. Yes. Look, you can you'll never go broke expecting betting on Republicans to do something stupid. They they have. I mean, for God's sakes, they can't message liberty. They can't message on liberty. They lose on liberty. You get. Republicans, Democrats are promising you a dollar. We'll give you 50 cents. And you go, well, you idiots. What are you doing? You just seeded the concept that the government should be giving you money. You should be explaining why they shouldn't give you anything, why you should just the government should plow the road and get things out of your way so you can go and make whatever you want. But now if you've seeded the concept, why the hell would you vote for somebody giving you 50 cents when you go out and vote for the person who gives you a dollar? You'd be stupid to do that. That's the Republican Party, by and large. It's slowly changing, but there are still, you know, Mitt Romney's out there and all these people who are, um, maybe they don't deliberately fire down their trench, but they clean their rifle in the barracks in an unsafe way, and you just have to sit there and shake your head. I, I don't... I don't get it. I don't see what the difference is between what any of these people did, even if there were a difference where you're like, well, you know, she. Well, she apologized. Apparently, that's what some of them are saying. Oh, she was really remorseful. I don't care how many defendants once convicted in their statement before sentencing apologize. All right. Well, then exactly. Go, Jeffrey Dahmer. I didn't realize you're going to we sentence you to culinary school instead of prison. All right. You're going to have to do some serious. (laughs) It's just wildly stupid. You have to be consistent. Even if you believe that, think strategically, okay? This isn't a court of law. This is the court of public opinion. And you don't give or sell ammunition to your opponent. And sadly, Republicans constantly do that, constantly. Democrats do it the same way, except they realize that the referees, the officials, the world court or whatever, whatever you want in this analogy, are on their side, so they don't really have to worry about the blowback. Let's talk about, very briefly before the break, and then we'll come back and talk about it more. The abortion pill is now front and center news, and liberals are having a collective cow. Their collective panties are wadded up, and it's not fun to look at. They are emotional. They are having a fit. They are having a tantrum. They're stomping their feet and hissing their teeth. They are mad. Yeah, I saw AOC was on with Anderson Cooper. Serious Anderson Vanderbilt yesterday. 
talking about how uh, maybe the Biden administration should just ignore this ruling. Just ignore it. I mean, that's we're entering dangerous territory. There are plenty of court rulings I don't like. I'm sure there are plenty of court rulings you look at and you go, this is wildly stupid and I oppose this. And even many court rulings that you look at and you go, this will eventually be turned over on appeal. It just will. Um, it's it's out of San Francisco. It's out of the Ninth Circuit. It's going to be overturned. But in the meantime, you have to adhere to it. Think about how different and how um, fanatical the left would have been if during the Trump administration, every ruling out of Hawaii, they just said, well, that's interesting, but we're going to ignore it. And they, they just kept every executive order in place and still did it. If they took the Andrew Jackson approach of, well, let the Supreme Court send their army down there to enforce this order. To enforce it, right. Uh, it would have been absolute pandemonium, mayhem. They would have gone in insaner, if that's a word. Um, well, what we're talking about, folks, is a federal judge in Tejas. And I'm so happy it's Tejas. A federal ju- judge in Tejas has blocked approval for the Democrats' beloved abortifacient, the abortion pill. And there's seven days right now before the ruling takes effect. And after that, it may be very difficult to get a hold of this abortion pill that the Democrats love. And OM, you know what? They are having a. Oh, they're power. throwing a fit. And by the way, before we go to break, let me just give props to your team for playing some Howard Jones as we went out last time. You don't hear Howard Jones enough in life. And uh, to play some Howard Jones, it's a slow Howard Jones, but still a, a great, great song. It was the only one in the uh, library that we knew. Uh, well, there's. Uh, they, uh, life in One Day, there's. Uh, there's life there's in One Day, lot. Dream into Action. There's a lot but, of. Howard but, but do you know the Smash Hide and Seek? Or like to get to know you well. Yes, like to get to know you well. I believe that was in the movie Real Genius. It was in some 80s movie, some quintessential 80s movie made Real Genius. Cool. Good stuff. James Golden, a.k.a. Sternley, the gang is all here. We haven't heard from Avery yet. Avery, we've got a story for you today, bro. Scott has got a story for you. That I don't want to read. But it's your story. You have to read Uh, it. Okay. And then, and yeah, this story is going to be, how shall we say, um, off the chain a little bit, <laughs> off the leash. Uh, James Colton, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We'll be right back. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Well. Well, well, well. Leo Sayre brings us back on WABC Talk Radio 77. Like a dog hanging on your leash. 
like a dog hanging on your leash. Hey, Scott. Uh, yes. Uh, what is the headline of the story that you have? Avery, pay attention. <laughs> Sick puppy. Mississippi woman accused of filming sexual acts with dogs could face 10 years in prison. We'll deal with that later. Look, Stormy's got a <laughs> lot of legal bills. It, <laughs> it, it wasn't it was Stormy. I don't know how much money the dog's got, but <laughs> maybe. Okay, so what's going to... <laughs> Here we go. What what uh, what has infuriated the left on this abortion pill story even more is that it's a Trump and uh, a Trump appointee district court judge, and I love it when it's the district court because it's just they just it's like how in the world we this is what conservatives deal with all the time. Some district court judge you've never heard of all of a sudden makes a ruling that affects the entire country and, and Republicans we. And conservatives all standing up on our feet. How is this possible? How does this happen? Well, it's happened to, to liberals. In an unprecedented decision, a federal judge in Tejas has issued a stay that will shut down, shut it down, the prescribing and distribution of, uh, how do you pronounce this drug name? Mepristone, um, I think it is. In seven days, it's one of the two ju- drugs that are used for the instant abortion, the insta-kill. Um, what is the justification for this? I've never seen well, a, a judge step in and, and ban a pharmaceutical before. Well, I, I, the, the justification... I, I, I mean, there are drugs that are it, prescribed for assisted suicide. And, you know, I, well, this thing has never been ruled on, I, I guess. As um, and what he, he's hinting, he said the court um, violated federal standards when it first approved the drug twenty three years ago. The FDA ignored its own federal standards, and he said the court does not second guess FDA's decision making lightly, but the FDA acquiesced on its legitimate safety concerns. It failed to look at the safety concerns around this drug. And it used unsound reasoning, and the studies that they used didn't support the conclusions. He hinted that the FDA had bowed to political pressure. Why did it take two decades for a a judicial review in federal court? And this goes back to 2000. The petitions, um, the people that petitioned this, case first brought it up in 2000 and it's taken until now for it to be reviewed that this was a political ruling under obama and it allowed the the drug to go without following the in other words they broke the rules the fda broke their own rules about safety when they first said this drug was okay so it sounds like he has a quote-unquote reasonable judicial argument for his that underpins his ruling, it wasn't just done on the basis of politics. It said, hey, you guys have set standards for safety, and you ignored them. And then you took 20 years to actually deal with the challenges that came from this. Well, so this is going to be... Don't get that judge looking into the shot, then, the COVID shot. The standards and rules, and they ignored them. Well, that's one of the things that I, I tweeted out this morning. Derek, it's interesting you say that. It's that, what about, because the left is saying, how dare this judge restrict access 
How about access to hydroxychloroquine, yeah. ivermectin? It's different. Democrats don't like those things, James. You see the difference? Democrats couldn't possibly be expected to, I don't know, not have sex or to practice safe sex. They, they want the, the after the fact, the ex post facto, the time machine birth control method. Whereas when it comes to people being in charge, you, you get to be in charge of your own body in one aspect of their pro-choice on one thing only, not schools, not what you put into your body unless they approve of it on abortion only. And really only if you make the choice of abortion. They're not super supportive of you having children. They're raging hypocrites. I just, I find all of this a dangerous precedent. You can't trust the FDA and you can't, so you have courts. I highly doubt, I suppose it's possible, but I highly doubt that this doctor or this lawyer, this judge is a doctor or somebody who really understands the bureaucratic intricacies of the the Food and Drug Administration and the pharmaceutical approval process. But this is, again, the Democrats started this. They run to the courts on everything. They run, it's weird because they'll sit there and say, this is what democracy looks like. And usually when they say that, they're screaming in somebody's face, threatening their life, trying to shut them up, which is decidedly not what democracy looks like. So they, they started this process of every time they don't get their way legislatively or even through referendum, which is literally what democracy looks like, they run to a court and try and get the will of the people or their representatives overturned, and it works all the time. And now, suddenly, thankfully, Republicans are engaging in this mutually assured destruction method and going, you know what, we're going to follow your model. We're going to sue everything. We're going to, we'll find a judge. We're going to, it's the the so-called Muslim ban all over again. We're going to just throw lawsuits all over the place. And sooner or later, one judge will give us our way, even temporarily. And the object is to get to the Supreme Court to make a fight and, and draw as much attention to this as possible. And the Democrats are watching it and taking a big dose of their own medicine. And they hate it. They hate it. Well, good. They should hate it. They're the ones who made the medicine a giant, spiky, painful, lemon-colored suppository. Now, you're just going to have to bite your bottom lip and go with it. You have been doing this to us forever. We're doing it back. Would it be better if nobody did it to anybody? Of course it would. But we're done with the taking a punch to the face and apologizing if we hurt your fist. We're going to fight back the way you guys fight, and if you don't like it, Maybe you should take a clue from that. Well, here's something else you're not going to like. Title IX, the Joe Biden administration (laughs) has now, and you have girls, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this one. Uh, The title, the Joe Biden administration has now proposed new rules for Title IX that would expand the meaning of sexual discrimination to include gender gender identity. So what all this means, folks, in plain speak, is Joe Biden and his administration want to make sure that transgendered men can play girls' sports. And they want to do this in schools. They want this rule is for schools. Title IX is what gave... And I think Title IX, by the way, was one of the few pieces of federal legislation that I actually say, okay, this made sense, and I support it. This was back in the day when male teams got all the attention, 
All the money was poured into male sports, and you're a girl, ah, go in the kitchen somewhere and get lost. And, and uh, Title IX came about to give girls, young ladies in school, an equal right, if you will, to have sporting activities that were funded and paid for by taxpayers in these schools so that they could compete and have girls' teams. And it, and it created an explosion of girls' sports in schools across the country. Well, now the U.S. Department of Education is saying no school or college that receives federal funding would be allowed to impose a one-size-fits-all policy that categorically bans transgender students from playing on sports teams consistent with their gender identity. Christy Nome, who I thought was really uh, at one point teeing herself up to be uh, presidential material this this in 2024, Christy Nome saying, hey, we'll see you in sports. She said in her state, South Dakota, only girls are going to play girls sports, and that's the end of that. So this one, and by the way, the LGBTQIA plus people are a little bit unhappy with Joe Biden because the, even this ruling, they say, doesn't go far enough. It never goes far enough. Nothing ever goes far enough. The United States is still standing. That's, that's the only way they'll accept this. No, I, I actually I support this ruling. I'm down, look, my, I watch my girls do soccer practice. They're four and five. They're not, they suck. They suck. They're they're bad at it. They, <laughs> there hasn't been a, there's been one practice so far where half the team hasn't ended up crying. Just one, for whatever reason. Somebody kicked their ball. Whatever. They all have their own ball. And somebody runs it. They just start crying and come running over to you. And like, okay, my kids are not going to get it. That's not the scholarship we're going to be trying to get for college. It's going to have to be academic. But um, no, I support this. You know why? Because we shouldn't have a Department of Education in the first place. So let us uh, ha- let's have states get the uh, Department of Education out of them, and then they can you know create an entirely new independent education system within the Dakotas, within the Florida, within the red states, and let the blue states continue with all the strings attached and all the money that comes with the uh, the federal money and eventually you can see again how they compare let's do this thing but also it will really irritate everybody like me who has daughters who are you know can run fast or are coordinated and they'll watch a boy come in and dominate what i really want james ultimately <clears throat> is i want the WNBA to become the NBA Senior League. I want every retired, I just really need one, first of all, one retired NBA player to go, you know what, I can't keep up in the NBA, but I feel like I got a good 10 years left in me in the WNBA. Because <laughs> if, if you got Michael Jordan on a bet on a golf course and you beat him, and you go, all right, you got to say you identify as a trans woman, and play in the WNBA, you know, even though he's in his 50s or 60s or whatever he is, he would dominate. He would if a high school team from one Texas high school can kick the ever-loving crap out of the best women's soccer players assembled from around the country. What chance does any WNBA team have? And honestly, it would actually give them some ratings. It would give them an audience. So 
I want that to happen. It's it. You, the only you try to stop the destruction, and at a certain point, you have to realize that the people who are being destroyed, the people that are being damaged, are in on it. They want it, and so you got to give them what they want, and you let them just destroy the whole thing, and you you send all of the male athletes. I identify as a woman. Wouldn't you like another couple of years of making a, at least a few hundred thousand, and then if you start drawing the crowd, a few million for people who are marginal. NBA players, bench riders, but now suddenly are stars in the WNBA. Let's let's do this thing. I think if there are any agents out there, this is New York. There are a lot of uh, lawyers and agents. Cut me in on the action, but let's really corner this market and get it going. How how utterly utterly cynical, Derek. Is with us. We're going to take a break. I'm cynical, but I ain't wrong. WABC Talk Radio 77. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there's this whole Nike thing with the swoosh and the transgender girl that they, or guy, whatever. Now, that they Dylan Mulvaney, in. man, they've got this sports bra for men who don't have breasts. It's it's great. And they've got their yoga pants. They just call them the tuck rule. They're really good at hiding a penis, these yoga pants, for women. Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza will come in. Right back, 800-848-WABC. Don't go away. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. WABC. OJs, bring us back on 77 WABC. The sound of Philadelphia. Happy birthday to the creator. One of the creators of the Sound of Philadelphia. One member of the Mighty Three. A songwriter, Leon Huff, celebrates his birthday today. He and uh, Kenny Gamble spearheaded the Sound of Philadelphia. And together with Tom Bell, the late Tom Bell, they became the Mighty Three in music. And this is part of that sound of Philadelphia. Derek Hunter is with us here. Derek, let's go to the telephones. 
Let's. Let's bring in, let's see, Judy in Westchester. How are you, Judy? Welcome. You're on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. You've got James Golden, and you've got Derek Hunter here. Hi. Good morning. Do you hear me? We hear you fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, listen, I'm a... uh, 81-year-old white woman, trans. However, my trans situation is that I transferred from being a lifelong Democrat (laughs) to um, be able to vote Republican in the last (laughs) primary elections. So anyway, and I've also worked my entire professional career in community mental health. You know, I was struck talking about Tennessee. You know, I was really struck when I immediately I just I when I had the television on, I I was struck. I wasn't even thinking too much about it, but I was struck by the young men with the uh, megaphone. And, uh, you know, with being loud and disruptive and blah, blah, blah. But also how how polished they were. I mean, really, they they looked so dignified in, in spite of, you know, using the megaphone. And then there was that middle-aged white lady, you know, obviously part of, part of the trio, um, even though she didn't have a megaphone. Uh, so I was... I, I was proud that they were able to, you know, be in, you know, elected to those positions, and uh, so that was my first thought. But then, uh, then I realized that actually, you know, when when it came out with the vote that they were they were let, you know, let go the two men, and she stayed by one vote. I immediately uh, realized that this had turned, instead of actually anybody getting the right message, which was gun control in that debate, it's like got sideswiped. You, do you know yep. what I mean? It became a, it right. became a racial it, issue. It became race woman, 101. And yeah, that's like and they should Jeff Galuli capped himself instead of Nancy Kerrigan. Like, it was an own goal. It was why... Why did you do this? You had a message. You had a point, and all you did was under—you just—you just ruined it. You just ruined it. Why would you do that? A beautiful piece of James. You won't get this, but a beautiful piece of meat—a dry-aged steak, Ew. piece of prime rib. Ew. And then you you dump ketchup all over it, the way Mark Levin likes to eat his steaks. You dump ketchup. You don't do that. A good a good piece of meat doesn't. You don't eat put it. ketchup on steaks. No, a good. How piece do you know of that meat... Mark Levin eats ketchup on his steaks? He does. You don't. It's unfortunate, but you do, a good piece of meat does not need a sauce. A good piece of meat stands on its own. It can be. I actually ac- agree with that. Accented with side dishes, but if you like, my wife used. To How about mayonnaise? Burnt. What the hell? No. If my wife made Bernays sauce every time she made a steak when we were dating, and I was like, stop this. Stop this. It was the only thing she could come close to making was pan frying a steak, and she'd try and cover up her inability to spice anything <laughs> with Bernays sauce. She can't. This isn't breaking news. She can't cook. So uh, she knows this. But uh, a good you never go to like a really good steakhouse and get something slathered in anything except for maybe you get it slathered in in uh, uh, what are the sea cockroaches the uh, what do you call it? lobster 
But that's just you just pick it off and eat it separately. A good sea piece cockroaches. Of meat. They are. That's Isn't that essentially what they are, though? Yeah. But they what? Uh, sea what? What? lobsters are sea cockroaches. They eat all the filth and waste off the bottom of the sea. What do you think cockroaches do? Do you think they have a fine, refined palate? Cockroaches. Yeah, the shrimp and all those other they're they're all those sea bugs basically. Yeah. They're Ew. not the kind of bugs they mean, the lefties mean when they talk about us, you know, eating bugs for the environment. But And forget what the point is. Don't try and you, – you have something there that's really good, that's perfect, that's ready to go. Yeah, and then you go and you mess it up. And that's what Republicans are really good at. It's a tap-in putt. They got a, a par three and they put it within three inches of the hole. And they go to the green and they say, you know what, give me the driver. Like, why the hell would you do that? What are you doing? Stop – screwing it up you're your own worst enemy well i cannot argue with that point they are their own worst enemy and here we are again another needless racial and you just hand the democrats ammunition to shoot you with i mean it just as you said earlier derek i just i can't take it thank you derek always a pleasure to have you here on saturday we will talk later everybody and happy Easter, yes. And can Derek, we talk about friend. how next next year, next Easter, we got to talk about how the, remember the oily egg dyeing color things that we had as kids were awesome, and now they're just these powdered crap things. I didn't even know that. They're terrible. So yes, we can absolutely talk about it. We had the awesome about. swirly psychedelic things that we could make as kids, and now the rubies die, and now it's just these powdered pellets. Look, poor kids. Anyway, happy Easter. Happy Easter. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, we're coming back. Hour number two, hour number three coming up. Don't go away. WABC Talk Radio 77, the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. On 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Our number duo of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC. The gang is all here. We asked Danny to stick around. Danny, uh, you gave us a prediction on what would happen at March Madness. And I was right. And I was right. I said UConn was going to win. And they Gloat. did. <laughs> they did. Loading. They, I, I said they looked really good. That championship game, nothing to really say about that game. It was probably one of the worst games of the tournament. And, you know, the Huskies wiped the floor with San Diego State. So all, all credit to UConn. Great program. Definitely, definitely a bona fide blue blood on the men's side. Blue blood? What the? It means you're a perennial, perennial perennial strong program like duke kansas kentucky the blue bloods they've been around for a long time they've been successful for a long time and then there's this well, thing how called come the blue bloods weren't in the end and how come it was just all these newcomers that's and no why... blue bloods except for yukon if they're so blue-blooded that's why they call it march madness because anything can happen and there's this phenomenon of what's called new bloods where schools that haven't traditionally been powerhouses like gonzaga is the quintessential example but they're pretty much a blue blood now when they started to be good they were called a new blood because they were a new team that was having success in basketball. So definitely not the year of the blue blood, unless you're UConn, in which case you became one this year. 
All right. So now girls basketball. So now we got all this stuff in the news about basketball and women's sports, which should please you to no end. Um, I just said today that the Title IX is now uh, a new proposed rule would let from the Biden administration, no school or college that receives federal funds allowed to impose their own policies, one size fits all that bans transgender students. Danny, I'm, and look, I know you're a journalist, and, and I don't want to get you in trouble with your journalistic principles and all that, but where do you see this thing going? I mean, this is, and then you have Nike, and Nike, uh, Nike had this transgender guy, woman, I'm sorry, um, uh, uh, this, this, this one, uh, the, whatever, Dylan, whatever, and... So you get all this. I, I, I had a rough day yesterday because I was just sick of it all yesterday. They First of all, Bud Light put, put him, her on a can. Kid Rock goes up and shoots up his, his, his Bud Light. And then you get some other country star guy that says, I'm getting away from all Anheuser-Busch. I'm going to Coors. And then you get Nike saying, well, we're going to put a sports bar on the guy, girl. And we're going to make and we're going to. And then their consumers said, we're going to boycott Nike. And Nike put their finger up and said, screw you. Why don't you learn how to be inclusive and just stop with all your hate? And where is all this stuff going? This is all supposed, sports is supposed to be a good thing. It's turning into just more political battlefield everywhere. Well, I can tell you this. So these international athletics boards for certain sports are taking a look at this and they've made some rulings about certain sports like running and swimming, for example, where... And this sort of mirrors what the Biden administration's proposed rule would be, where it depends on the sport and as puberty increases, it's about testosterone. But it's not exactly a black and white issue because there are some uh, women. There's that famous example of that South African runner who was born with an abnormally high amount of testosterone in her body, but she was never not a woman. So it's it's something that is really hard to pinpoint. It's something that a lot of international athletics commissions are dealing with in the name of fairness. And there's no, I, I cannot make an objective or even subjective evaluation of what's the right answer because this is, this is really new and it's getting involved in politics because now it has become inherently political as so many things in our society have become where now if one side takes one position, the other side will ipso facto take the other position so in terms of athletics that you are seeing certain boards and certain committees with power making rulings on what's the barometer for people to compete as a man what's the barometer for people to compete as a woman i don't know where it's going i think we're going to see broadly there will be some sort of at least in the maybe in the olympics international championships the goal might be to create some different category for athletes who don't neatly fall into one or the other. But a lot of people will say, well, compete under your gender identity. But the Athletics Commission is looking at things like testosterone and uh, performance and stuff like that. It's very complicated. It's not something we can answer in 10 minutes. Well, I, you know, fine. I've said all along, why don't it, it the, ample, the answer is very simple. Have male sports with males, have women with in in women's sports, and if transgendered athletes want to compete, then have a, a, a separate category for transgendered. Um, it's easy. Just do that. But see, and the, the problem the, solved. What some people are saying is, well, do and this, well, does badminton have the same rules 
as wrestlers. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If if so, if we're supposed to be all focused on who's identifying as who is identifying as who is identifying with what, then just have the the, the categories. Okay, this one is a woman. This one's a man. This one's tr- a transgendered athlete. Now go out and play and leave everybody else alone and stop with this endless cancellation stuff. Stop shooting up beer cans and and go take your swish and put your swish somewhere where the sun doesn't shine. You know, really. It's a delicate issue, and it gets into the gets into the weeds of the differences proposed by some between gender and sex, and depending on the sport, as I mentioned. So it's not. I don't think it's going to be a uniform divide. There's going to be shades of gray, as there are in many things, in terms of how we perceive of things. Not not fifty shades of gray, but there will be shades of gray. There will be a gradient. It'll depend on the sport. At least in the United States, it'll probably depend on the sport. We'll have to see what the international scene right. decides. What about this Angel Reese gal? What about all this mess that Joe Biden got herself into that she wants to invite the losers uh, over to the White House along with the winners? And then Angel Reese and the LSU girls said, get out of here. We're not coming to the White House. We'll go see the Obamas and all the yeah, <laughs> Everything so that turned was, messy. Uh, yes. Everything turned messy. Well, first of all, I want to say that the Angel Reese Caitlin Clark drama is officially over. They both squashed the beef, so to speak. There's no ill will towards them. And as I said when I was on your show during the week, it's you know it's hypocritical to criticize Angel Reese. You know she did her trash talk. Caitlin Clark was a trash talker during the tournament. It's great to see the competitiveness. But when it comes to the first lady inviting both of them, I don't know why she would invite both of them. That's never happened. And even Caitlin Clark. I think she was on an ESPN talk show, said, no, we wouldn't accept the invitation. We didn't win the national championship. And then Angel Reese was very defined, and, you know, I don't want to go. I'll, I'll see the Obamas and whatnot. I think she retracted that. I think she issued an apology or something that they were going to go, that she was going to join her team. I don't know. It's just it's a small, I would say, diplomatic blip. It, it's it's a little silly that the First Lady would consider inviting both. I mean, obviously it was a great competition, but the winner goes. That's just been the precedent forever so it, it'll it'll it's over it's over now i guess it was just a funny little spat between both sides mm. yeah so uh so now you were so happy that women's uh basketball is on the map oh yeah uh, do you think it's going to still have the same kind of uh enthusiasm next season oh absolutely and i because well, one caitlin clark is not leaving yet she's still going to be playing so that's going to be huge iowa had to suspend their preseason ticket sales because they had so much demand right now. They're going to start selling them when the season rolls around next year. So there's already tremendous hype. And how, many, the, how many tickets do they sell out there? Like about 30, 40 tickets? I have no idea. Well, not well. definitely they're going to be in the high thousands now that Kalen Clark has been dominating. But I will say this. Angel Reese made an interesting point about money, where she was saying that because of her NIL deal, she's making more money than – some WNBA players are. And I think that's a very salient point with the new rules in college sports where the good thing, it'll, it'll help women's basketball, especially because Angel Reese, I don't know if you know the Cavender twins who play. I, no, I don't, of course. Yeah, well, don't they're know. very famous on TikTok and they're big NIL recipients. Oh, I you, should know them because they're on TikTok. Yeah. They have, there are young women out there, especially in basketball, who are establishing themselves as brands as notable athletes which is something we haven't really seen in the same way obviously there have been dominant players but now we're seeing the marketing unleashed 
So I think that's going to be really good for the women's game because, like, in the men's game, you have a lot of hype around certain players like Zion or Steph Curry or LeBron James. Now you're going to have women's players who attract the same level of uh, personality fandom like Caitlin Clark. Oh, cool. Well, Danny, thank you. And thanks for coming on the show this week. Oh, of really course. appreciate it. I appreciated Danny. the invitation. Okay. Appreciate you, man. And when we get, you know, we're going to take a break. When we get back, Scott's going to talk about another woman that has some branding issues, and she's really branding herself. <clears throat> yeah, she's uh, off the leash when it comes to branding. And then we have, of course, your calls coming up. We've got a lot more. At 8.30, we're expecting here from the reporter, Melissa Fine, on another one of these Soros judges. The Trump indictment's still out there. We've got all this news about the abortion pill. We, of course, are in the safest city in the world. In New York, with all the, you know, murder and mayhem from criminals being on the streets. And so much other stuff. It's Saturday morning. Glad you're here with us. Hey, you know who plays keyboards on this song? No, I don't. Who? Yes, you do. Who? Seriously? I don't. Prince. Who? Prince is playing keyboard. Yes. This? All right. Stump the host. You really didn't know that? I really didn't know that Prince was I playing keyboard. I would have. I would have thought you taught me that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> James Golden, it's Saturday morning. I see you learn something every day with music. One of the things, you no matter how much you know, there's always stuff you don't. James Golden, a.k.a. Stormy with you. Glad you're here. Stick around. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. W A B C Aerosmith, baby. No. No. Led Zeppelin. I'm sorry. Black I'm dog, just... Led Zeppelin. Oh, I was you know what? Because I'm What's thinking going on of with the... you today. I'm off. <laughs> Black Dog. Speaking of dogs, Scott, you have news. Well, a, this is, again, I just want to preface this. You, you, you're, First of all, I want to preface this by saying, before you preface it, I want to preface your preface. Go ahead. By saying, I asked everybody a few months ago, what's next in our society? We keep we keep expanding, expanding these rights, expanding, expanding. And Scott said the next thing up is going to be bestiality. 
And I said, Scott, there's no way that there will be bestiality coming in as something next. And therefore, when this story came out, I immediately said, you know, I got to give this story to Scott. So that's my preface. I don't need to preface it now. That, that, that covered my preface. All right. A sick, again, I don't know how objective this is, a sick, sexually twisted Mississippi woman named Denise Frazier, 19, was busted after a video surfaced on Snapchat showing her engaging in enthusiastic bestiality with a male dog, resulting in her getting arrested on aggravated cruelty charges. Uh, she could face up to 10 years in prison for allegedly getting it on with a dog. She was arrested at her home. The video, filmed in February, was flagged and turned over to local authorities. They wasted no time in arresting the woman. Quote, in my 17 years in law enforcement, this is one of the most disturbing cases that I've ever investigated, Sergeant J.D. Carter of the Jones County Sheriff's Department remarked, according to the Daily Mail. You want me to continue? Continue. <laughs> Avery, did you see a picture yet? <laughs> yeah, I saw the picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. JCSD is in possession of several videos that are so graphic that we are not at liberty to release them or even discuss the particular content, he commented. The investigation into this case is far from over. The videos are too depraved to post. Evidently, the videos were leaked because they were out there floating around. Frazier has reportedly admitted to sexual intercourse with the dog in the video, but that was not confirmed by the Daily Mail. Uh, let me find the line about there being multiple dogs. I'm not going to laugh. Uh, <clears throat> the police are looking for more videos that Frazier starred in and suspect that others were filmed in different counties. The Jones County Sheriff's Department was alerted other nearby sheriff's department or alerted other nearby sheriff's departments to be on the lookout for the videos. Two poor abused dogs were seized from the woman's home and taken to a local animal hospital. One of the dogs is a German Shepherd. Frazier referred to the pup as a quote service dog. <laughs> I'm sorry. I that animal cruelty in Mississippi is punishable by up to six months in prison and a fine. However, getting convicted of unnatural intercourse would win Frazier the bonus round and could end up with a sentence okay, of 10 I years. I have questions here, and I don't know whether you will have the answer to, or maybe Avery, because Avery knows everything about, you know, love. He's our resident love man. Yeah, I didn't I didn't hear about this. And you, you told me, Avery, did you see the picture? I'm like, how do I look that up? And I almost looked up like woman with dog sex video and I was at work. Getting fired. Yeah, now, I, I now almost, the IT department's on it. I almost hit enter. I was like, wait a minute, I can't, I can't look that up at, at, at work. Woman in sex video, German Shepherd, hit enter. <laughs> hey, you would have been right that always with me. I don't flew you in here, but like to back me up. He told me to do it, Avery. So look, I but. I so it's cruelty to animals. How I I just I'm sorry, my brain functions like this. If you're saying something is cruel to an animal, how do you prove it? it uh, this goes into a direction I don't want to take this in, but I just but I'm sorry. The liberal the dog the, the, the dog said let her go. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he had one of those uh, pixelated faces, and he had the, the electronic voice. <laughs> he said, "I think you should. I think she should get let go. She didn't do anything wrong." 
<laughs> I, think, I think she should be let, allowed to go home. If I were a lefty and I was trying to think like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, was, was the dog really being harmed? Oh, it was a male dog. I would hope. I mean. I hope so. I <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's just too. That's too. That's too oh, freaky. Man. That's too freaky for if she's a female dog. It's too freaky if it's a dog. For goodness sakes! No, it's 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 freaky, but too too freaky as if it was a female dog. In all that entails, nineteen years old, and this is what now. What does the picture look like? I haven't seen the picture. What's the what is the deal with the oh, picture? She, oh, she looks okay. Like. It's, <laughs> hey, the dog didn't have any trouble performing. <laughs> the dog said, "All right, if you want this, you can get it now. Don't, don't play around with me now. If you if you really want it, we can really do this. You ain't ready for you ain't ready for Fido. <laughs> All those losers you bring it home from the bar." <laughs> Fido, Fido going to show you how to do it. Now, if you really want this, let me know if you, if you ain't playing around. I'll be in the garage. <laughs> so, yeah, Stevie Nicks, uh, that uh, Prince was playing keyboards. On that. Um, thanks, Scott. Um, <laughs> this is where it goes in the news these days. Um <laughs> Uh, Scott, what's next <laughs> after this story? What's yeah. next, oh, Scott? I don't think we've... The dog, I don't think we've... Uh, she, Go ahead. She, like, the dog probably saw enough of it, like, live. Like, uh, she don't look like the type to, like, make the dog leave the room. So oh, he boy. said, I'm ready. He said, I, I've seen enough. Now I'm ready. Do you, do, you dip, <sighs> do you dim the lights for that kind of thing? I mean, how do you... What, the with, with the dog? Why, why are you dimming the lights? I can see in the dark. <laughs> you self-conscious around the dog? Come on. It's a service dog, after it's all, Scott, dog. you told us. It's a service dog. I don't believe where this society is going. I just don't believe. I don't believe it. 19 years old. Hey, Fido, turn the lights off. <laughs> but the thing, the thing that we're not even focusing on, okay, it's bad enough that this all took place. She posted it on social media. But that's my point. Somebody figured out how to video this, and I don't even want to ask if there was anyone else in the room watching this. And then they put it on social media. Here's something. I know this will increase my views, and I can ask people to friend me and get more friends by putting this up. And this is what... This is logic these days. Let me do things that I would never let me do, but let me post it on. This is like the criminals that go out and commit their crimes. They take pictures of themselves committing the crime, and then they post it on social media. Like the cops are supposedly too dumb to look at social media. That, is that a crime note? The dog signed a waiver. <laughs> <laughs> The dog side of releasing everything. She got the uh, she got a, a, a paw print on on a contract. <laughs> Fido, what do I sign here? Sign here. Initial here. 
Paw print, paw print, paw print. <laughs> Consent and everything. <sighs> Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Roof. We're going to check. And the, vid- and the video ID, too. <laughs> roof, roof. Do you, do you agree to this? Roof. Do you? Yeah, roof, roof. Oh. Okay, are you are you of age? Roof. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> WABC Dog Radio 77. We're coming back in a moment. That what Elvis was singing about this song. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Saturday morning. Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Has there ever come a time when you feel real nice? Yeah. And you want to let someone know that you really appreciate them? How do you like it? Rough. Maybe have your dog come over. Moan. We're all still laughing, aren't we? <laughs> Doggy style? What'd you say? <sighs> anyway, uh, Saturday mornings can get. Uh, let's let's get serious now. We have with us Ace reporter Melissa Fine, American Wire News and BizPack Review. Good morning, Melissa. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, thanks. Good. You have a story about yet another one of the Soros-backed district attorneys. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yes. Well, this one's in Alameda County. This is uh, District Attorney Pamela Price. Alameda um, County, where? Where is that? In, 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 yeah, uh, that's in the Bay Area in yeah. California. So mm-hmm. it encompasses Oakland, for example. Um, she campaigned on social justice, anti-police reform, um, and she took over in January. And since getting there, she has done her very best to sort of upend high-profile case after high-profile case. Um, the latest is Delonzo Logwood, who was an alleged gang member. Uh, He was 18 years old in 2008 when he's accused of shooting and killing three men in the span of a month. Um, One of them was a 24-year-old man by the name of Zaire Washington. He was set to testify in a a separate shooting case just weeks later. He was killed. Um, And Logwood admitted in court to killing Eric Ford in a murder-for-hire scheme. So he was facing 75 to life. And then Ms. Price came in, and she organized a plea deal that would have dropped all of the special sentencing enhancements. Um, Logwood would have pled no contest to voluntary manslaughter in one of the murders. The other two murder charges would have been dropped. So instead of 75 to life, Logwood would have received 15 years, and he would have gotten credit for all the time he served. So he'd be out of prison 
in just about three years. Um, Let me summarize what I'm hearing from you, Melissa, please. We have a mass murderer. Not just a mass murderer. He is an executioner. He is a hitman. Murder for hire. And he also murdered a witness that was due among the three people he's known to have murdered. He murdered a witness that was due to testify in another shooting court case. The Soros-backed district attorney rushes to his rescue, this mass murderer's rescue, and gives him a plea deal that would have dropped any special enhancements, usually in most jurisdictions that have the death penalty. Now, California had one until their governor, Gavin Newsom, just unilaterally got rid of it and just said, oh, we don't, we don't, we're not doing that anymore. Forget about the, the, the legal system here. We're just going to toss out the death penalty in California because I don't like it. So yeah. she comes in and she comes to the aid of this mass murderer and gets rid of the enhancements that in most jurisdictions would have either sent this guy to death row or sent or at least life without parole where he would never be a menace to society again. And she organizes a deal that would have granted him three years when you looked at everything, his entire record, three years behind bars, two of the cases of murder would just simply, oh, let's forget about that and let's put this guy on the street as soon as we can. Do I have this right? That's uh, sadly, that's exactly right. You know, essentially, she was saying that that the three men he killed, uh, their lives were each worth about five years. And seeing how he's been sitting in jail this time, well, he gets credit for that. Um, fortunately, uh, the judge in the case, Judge McMahon, uh, McCannon, rejected the deal, um, and as a result, Price. Uh, filed a motion to have this judge disqualified from any criminal case that her office prosecutes. Um, what? She, yes, this is uh, no joke. Uh, the defense uh, apparently also filed a similar motion, but she she said that he made inappropriate comments, that he's biased against the DA's office. She never quite explained what exactly he had done. Um, so we're just going to have to trust her that, that you know, McCannon is biased. Um, she said that, you know, the, the media and, and other people want me to try these cases um, in, in the public. And I can't ethically do this. And then she released a video statement on YouTube explaining why the judge needed to be disqualified. Now, obviously, those motions were denied, dismissed. Um, but this is just the tip of the iceberg with her. She's, uh, like I said, she's she's put her fingers into several high-profile cases and just turned them upside down. Um about a week after she got into office, she she's instructed all of her prosecutors um, not to file 
or force their clients to uh, to plea to uh, sentence enhanced sentencing. Um, so all of those are getting dropped. She dropped the special circumstances in the case of David Mish, who's a serial killer. Um, one of his victims, he's accused of kidnapping and killing a nine-year-old girl. Um, so she's making life easier on him. And there was another case where there was a reckless, uh, unlicensed driver flying down the freeway, um, caused a huge crash, had several victims injured. One of them was a woman who was eight months pregnant, and she lost her baby as a result. He then ditched the car and tried to report it stolen. Now, Price's predecessor had charged him with felony leaving the scene of an accident and felony reckless driving with serious injury. But Price came in, and, and here's the interesting part. Without even consulting with the, with the grieving mother, which is state law, actually, that they're notified if a plea has been re, is being discussed and they have the opportunity to give an impact statement. She never got that opportunity. Price let him plead to vandalism. Vandalism. And he was released vandalism, which I, I don't know what kind of mental gymnastics you have to do to reach that, but he would, he pled to vandalism and was released with time served. Um, and then there's the case of Jasper Wu, who was just shy of his two second birthday, two years old. He was in his car seat. His mom was going down the freeway, and a rolling shootout between gang members. Uh, went by, a stray bullet caught Jasper and killed him. Um, and the rumors are that the price is actually seeking no jail time. Again, no special circumstances. The parents are terrified that they'll never see justice. Um, so it's, it's much bigger than just the Logwood case. This is, you know, since she took office, 10 veteran prosecutors have resigned, including Stacey Pettigrew, who had been working on the Logwood case for eight years. Um, seven prosecutors have been placed on leave, four have retired, and she's straight up fired one. Um, so the ones who have resigned are saying that they don't feel like they can ethically or adequately do their jobs and protect the people in their communities anymore um, under her administration. So this, yeah. this is incredible. And yet the people of Alameda County in California are content. Are they? If has there been any sign that the public is unhappy with what's Actually, going on? A petition, a petition is being circulated right now to have her recalled. You know, I think I think what this really shows because again, we see it in Southern California with, with Garcon and all of the, the crazy things that he has done, the woke justice that he's been doling out. And of course, we see it in Manhattan with Bragg. I think it really shines a spotlight on the on the importance of local elections um, and the impact they can have, whether it be, you know, the DA or the sheriffs or on the school boards. Um, and this sort of transcends, you know, party politics. I don't think there are plenty of sane Democrats out there. I don't think any of them would see what Price is doing as justice served. So I think that we all 
you know, especially going into 2024, we, we need to be focusing more and we need the GOP to focus more. We're being outspent by foreign billionaires. So here's the question I have, and this is not a question that I, I, I don't know whether you can answer this or even speculate as to what the answer is. I think a lot of people hear this and they don't, and there's a disconnect. They don't understand what these prosecutors hope to achieve. What is it that when you let murderers, serial murderers, people that are intent on not just killing innocent civilians, killing babies in car seats, killing children, but also performing hits on people that are due to be uh, testifying in court. And then you have a district attorney who's intent on letting these people roam the streets. What is it that motivates these dis- these these district attorneys that are soft on crime? What is it that they're looking for? What is the outcome that they want to happen from their brand of they call this restorative justice, and I don't understand what that means. I don't understand what it, it what's the end game here. What are they looking to do to society or for society? You know, I mean, obviously that's something that I personally have spent a lot of time trying to work out, and there really is only one explanation that makes sense. They want chaos. They want societal chaos because that's the only logical outcome of policies like this i mean it 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 doesn't just affect the victims in a single case it doesn't just affect the da's office you end up with you know like i said all of the experienced prosecutors leave or resign but it also trickles down into the police the investigators who work so hard to to catch these people put them behind bars they see the carnage that they've left, and uh, and then only to have the DA say they're not going to prosecute or they're not going to prosecute to the fullest extent of the law. So the police get frustrated. But the, the most concerning effect, I think, of all of it is you end up with residents of these communities who feel they're afraid they feel like the law won't protect them, can't protect them, that justice is not attainable. And what happens? You know, very quickly, that's a recipe for disaster. Very quickly, people start sort of taking justice into their own hands. That's kind of human nature. So chaos is the only outcome that you can expect from something like this. So, you know, it. why do they want complete chaos? Well, you can, you can speculate. You know, they want to see, they want to reimagine America uh, in, in a way that goes against everything we've, we've known about our nation growing up, everything our nation is stand for. Um, there's no innocent explanation for this, you know, that the people in Logwood's uh, case, his victims were young black men. So this, you know, Jasper Wu is not a Caucasian baby. This is affecting the very uh, communities that these DAs say that they, they want to serve. 
you know, in her video, Price said that, you know, she's committed to serving with uh, justice and compassion. But in reality, there is no compassion for anyone other than the criminals. The victims sure aren't seeing it. Melissa, I want to suggest something. uh, You have the makings of a good book here. I don't know whether you have time, inclination, desire, but your research into this DA, and I'm sure the others, there is a book to be written here about the these DAs, the cases that they've handled like you just outlined for us today, and uh, maybe even some of the impact on these communities. Uh, there's a, and probably a documentary one day in the future will come, but this is chilling what you have shared with us today and what you write. Where can people find you and find your work, Melissa? Uh, BizPack Review, American Wire News. Um, I write daily. So we have a, an incredible team of editors and writers. So we're, we're trying to get the news out um, as, as much as we can. Um, you know, the, the stuff that mainstream media doesn't want to talk about. So, Melissa, thank you for joining us. We hope to have you back in the future. Thank you so much. James bye-bye. Golden, a.k.a. Bye-bye. Snurdly here on WABC. You can also find the story at thedailybs.com. Thedailybs.com. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly here with you. Coming back, your call's coming up, and we have America's Small Caffeinated Mom in the next hour. Stay here our Saturday morning. Radio Extravaganza has a lot left in the tank. Roof. <laughs> Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. The crown jewel of American radio. Larry Kudlow show comes up after this one. Later on tonight, Cousin Brucey, Music Radio, WABC. Spiral Gyra brings us back. Morning Dance on WABC Talk Radio 77. Your telephone calls are coming up. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. Let's head back to the telephones. Ralph in New Jersey, you've been waiting. Thank you for waiting. How uh, are yeah, you, Ralph? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm fine. Thank you. Happy Easter to you both. Uh, and thank you for taking the call. Um, you know, this whole situation in, with that is now dragging uh, Kamala Harris, the giggle uh, lady, into the, uh, you know, the whole uh, mix. Uh, I believe that this was in the state of Arkansas, right? I Tennessee. Always, uh, feel- Tennessee. Okay. She's in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Okay. I always feel that anything and everything that involves the Democrat in this country is either big news or pseudo event. Okay. Because, you know, the double standard is all too clear. I mean, look at the situation with President Trump. Okay. We are doing this whole thing, stealing up the, the whole thing with President Trump to the delight of China. Of course, China would be delighted because right now, Oh, the attention is what's happening with the gun debate, what's happening with President Trump. Meanwhile, that the 
the you know the aggression of China goes on uh, unchecked. They just deployed uh, an aircraft carrier boat over in Taiwan. What does that supposed to mean? I don't leave. I, I don't read feelings. I know what that's, that's what that's supposed to mean. It means war is coming. Do you agree with me on that one, Bo? I don't know. Let me just put it to you like this. Now, l- let me parse what you're saying and go through it one one by one. The story in Tennessee is not fake news. It is really happening. I mean, we like to use the moniker fake news, and I think we should be careful ascribing everything to fake news because there are things that are being reported honestly. What is happening in Tennessee happened. And we've lost focus of the main story in Tennessee because of Republican stupidity. The main story in Tennessee was that a transgendered youth, a young man who identifies as a woman, went into a Christian school, and that is significant because a lot of the hate coming from transgender so-called activists, quote-unquote, is being directed at the Christian community. There was this trans hate day that was, I mean, trans, um, I forget the name of the day that they had, uh, trans day of vengeance or something like that. And it was scheduled around the same weekend that this shooting happened at the Christian school, but they had to cancel it. And in their promotions, they showed a lot of transgender people, supposedly, that were armed to the hilt with what the Democrats call assault weapons. And they were declaring they would take vengeance on Christians. Okay? So that is real news. Now, the Republicans screwed it up in Tennessee. Now all of a sudden, no one's talking about the fact that we have not seen the manifesto that this mass killer of children, including children, nine-year-old, and the principal of that school, he wrote a manifesto. The FBI, Joe Biden's administration, took the manifesto, said, oh, we have to analyze this. No one's heard about it since. That is unacceptable. The news story is real. And we live in a world where there are multiple news events happening at the same time, such as the nature of news, such as always been the nature of news. Because one news story exists doesn't mean that the other news stories don't exist. You know about the situation in China because it was reported in the news. That being the warship that is sailing down the straits right past Taiwan. And this happened after Kevin McCarthy had a leader that the Ch- a meeting with a Taiwanese official. The Chinese government re- reacted harshly to that. They warned him in the beginning, don't do it. They do this all the time to Americans. You better not meet this one. You better not meet with this one. And Kevin McCarthy said, screw that. I'm going to meet with who I want to meet with, as he should. He's an American elected leader. So the Chinese sail a warship. But the Chinese have been threatening us for decades. The only one that stood up to the Chinese threats was Donald Trump. And what happened immediately after he entered into a trade war with China, which they lost, by the way, went unreported in American media. What happened after that? Well, then the world was thrown into a pandemic. 
that originated, interestingly enough, in China. But that new story exists too. But China has had, and China started developing a blue water navy under Obama. And at the time, I remember speaking out about it, saying this is dangerous stuff here. The Chinese have now, and by the way, the Chinese have used stolen technology and corporate espionage. And they've also had help from Democrats like Bernard Schwartz of the Loral Space Corporation to make sure that their military is strong. And we sit back on our haunches and we sit about and we argue whether girls should be playing boys sports or whether this, that, or the other, while all of this has been taking place. The Chinese have been on a march now that is almost a 20-year march to infiltrate the governments around the world to spend money in countries that we have ignored so that they can become the superpower of the world financially and others. At the same time, they've developed their own currency, digital currency. At the same time, you now have states and countries around the world that are ditching the United States dollar as the reserve. There are a lot of ominous things that are happening. And you're right about that. But just because all of these other things are happening doesn't mean the news that we're actually seeing is fake news. It is also real news. But it does have the effect of taking our attention off the bigger picture. Now, we've got a lot of problems in the bigger picture of America that we're not addressing. I continue to make reference to this one story I haven't gotten to yet in three days, where you have a 94-year-old woman with dementia who is in hospice, thrown out of the residence that she's been in for four years because Medicaid stopped paying. Anybody in America that thinks our health care is not in a state of crisis is mistaken. Our health care system needs, a, needs more than one solution. It needs solutions. Health care is still a major concern for most Americans. It remains unaddressed by both political parties. The border, the poorest borders in America are a huge problem. It remains unaddressed. Despite all the talk from Republicans that are complaining about it, what is actually being done to stop the flow of fentanyl and other drugs and terrorists potentially coming through the southern and now the northern borders? Nothing. This is a huge problem. I just highlighted and talked about China and digital currency. There is a move afoot for the Federal Reserve to institute digital currency here. Now, look, I'm not opposed to digital currencies. Wave of the future. We are undergoing, the world is undergoing a revolution in the way that currencies and financing is going to be done. And a lot of it has to do with blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies. But we are woefully ignorant as to the main plays that are being made in that in this country. You can become less ignorant, by the way, by listening to the Future Is Now podcast that James Eisenberg and a Block Capital and I do, and we're cutting two new episodes this coming week. 
There are a lot of things going on that threaten the stability of the United States in a big way. And what are we fussing about? We're fussing about gender in military, gender in schools, gender in sports. So, yes, Ralph, I agree with you. Our eye is off the ball in many things. That said, it's not accurate to label these things that we're fixated on as fake news. They're not fake. They're real. And we can walk and chew gum at the same time. In other words, we can put our attention on many news items at the same time. James Golden, our number deuce is in the can. We're coming back for hour number three. We're going to hear from America's small caffeinated mom in the next hour. We're going to have your phone calls. We're going to take a lot of calls in the next hour. The gang's all here. Our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Yeah, the second hour was a little rough. The third hour was going to be smoother. <laughs> James Golden coming back on WABC Talk Radio 77. Stay with us for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. On 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James Golden here with you on WABC Talk Radio 77. I just got a text from one of the friends of the show wishing us all a happy Easter. He is the conductor, the wonderful conductor. Patrick Burns, yeah, he's amazing. And and he, I tell you what, he's given me some really great music lessons. I mean, you, you, conductor. I, I'm so, you know, it's like, wow. Yeah. And uh, so one of these days we have to have Patrick back because he, he actually, we could spend, I could spend hours talking to him. Every time I talk to him, I feel like uplifted. He teaches me so much in just the course of a conversation. I wish I could take a course of music with him. Because he's just outstanding. And speaking of music, I mentioned this at the end of our show yesterday. I am beyond thrilled, folks. Saturday, April 29th, we have confirmed the date. Now, things could always change with these confirmations. But we have one of the world's most incredible vocalists that will be on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Avery, you ever listen to Al Will Downing? Give him a sec. He's putting his headphones on. Yeah, Avery. I don't know. Yeah, I know. He's yeah. too busy dogging it. You ever listen to Will Downing? Yeah. Will's going to be on the show on April 29th. For those of you that don't know who Will Downing is, this is Will Downing. The best I can for you. Will Downing. This was from his debut albums. He has, I think, 26 albums now. He has always some of the most amazing musicians, and his vocals are impeccable and amazing.
This is an Angie Bofill song. This was on Angie Bofill's first record. So anyway, thanks, Diego. That's a little taste of, of Will Downing. Will Downing has so many albums that are just so amazing. And Will will be on us on the 29th. I can't wait. Um, and that's just, I'm just really excited about that. He is, I mean, Luther Vandross, he's, if those of you who are Luther fans, you're Will Downing fans. Not that they sound alike, but they're just, he's in that category of vocalists. There are very few vocalists that actually can sing the way that this man can sing. So I'm just really happy that he'll be joining us. Your calls are coming up as well this hour. America's uh, small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, joins us later on this hour. There is still a battle going on over the Trump indictment. The House is probing it and... Thank you, Jim Jordan. Hey, Lisa, we need to have Jim on fairly soon, Congressman Jim Jordan, because he has issued a subpoena, and Alvin Bragg has his panties in a bunch about this, um, that they are actually looking into what his office is doing, and he's stomping his feet. Oh, how unfair this is, how terrible this is, how dare anybody look at me. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Bragg. That little pesky document that you people don't like to acknowledge, the Constitution of the United States, there's a pecking order for power, to put it in normal parlance, and you, a local DA, are near the bottom of the pecking order. You have to answer to the state. The state has to answer to the feds. That's the way it works. So, yes, your federal government has every right, your Congress, to ask you and tell your prosecutors, come up here and explain to us exactly what you're doing. And by the way, don't throw out your documents or communications, because we want to see those too. So Alvin Bragg is trying to say, oh, this is the Republicans weaponizing. Who's weaponizing what? Almost everybody knows this is nothing but a political persecution that is taking place. Have you heard we have another candidate running on the Republican side? Did you know that? Scott, do you know who's running on the Republican side? Uh, So far, who's running against Trump? DeSantis. Hasn't announced. Nikki Haley. She has. R.E. somebody or other? Or th- Are you talking about Ramswamy? Uh, I don't. I remember seeing somebody that just announced last week that had a goofy name, but I can't remember who it was. Goofy name. I'm not going there. <laughs> I don't believe it was that. No, it wasn't Ramswamy. He's running. I I think I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember. Asa Hutchison. Yes, yes, yes Asa yes, yes, Hutchison. Yes, Asa was the goofy name. <laughs> I remember when Asa was in the House of Representatives. He was one of the Clinton impeachment managers. And, wow, he was on fire back then. Everybody was like, who is this guy? And then he turned into what some people would call a rhino. And he ran. He was the governor in Arkansas. 
And now he says he's the clear alternative. It's me. I'm the clear alternative to Donald Trump. Well, okay. Let's see how this plays out, Mr. Clear Alternative. Uh, And people keep asking Larry Hogan to run. Larry Hogan was the anti-Trump, the Trump hater governor from uh, Maryland, who, by the way, his chief of staff went on the lam. His chief of staff was accused of all kind of things. The guy went as a fugitive. He got killed. And uh, by the uh, he was uh, the feds caught up with him and trapped him somewhere. I think there was either I, I didn't read the story close enough to remember the details, except that he is deaded now. So, yes, Debbie, Will Downing does have a nice voice. He has an amazing voice, and I can't wait for you to hear more. He does a version of When Sonny Gets Blue. Now, you know I love Johnny Mathis. We gave away Johnny Mathis tickets. And, I mean, Will does everything. He's got he's got original songs. There's a song that he wrote that we don't have in the library, which, I mean, is one of the saddest songs you will ever hear in your life. Brings tears. Called Sorry, Sorry I is the name of the song. We don't have that in the library. We will have it by the time he gets here. Um... But then he does cover songs from people, well-known covers like When Sunny Gets Blue. And um, it's just amazing. Now, you know I love Johnny Mathis, but I got to tell you. I love this, too. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. And we're going to talk, we'll talk with you. Your calls are coming up. And then we'll also hear from America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. But your next coming up, your calls on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Like the wind that stirs the trees, when that starts the leaves to swing, like some violins are playing. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. I know you didn't get your head down so you could just sit down and just sit still. Hey, we trying to have a good time tonight. Let's go, baby. No, it's not. But I still look good, though. Hot comb, hot. I bet you want an autograph. You and your friends. Got to do it in the penthouse. That's why I That's keep, my, I keep my pen. That's why I keep my pen. I don't see you with him. Get your Instagram and your Twitter. Bruno Mars on WABC. Let's head to the telephones. E. Frank, you're up. How are you in Queens? Yes. 
Good morning, uh, James Golden. I'm, it's uh, very good to hear your voice this morning, especially today, Holy Saturday. Um, I would just like to say you were talking about Title uh, Nine, uh, or Title Six, which is it? Title Nine. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in the WNBA, you know, women's basketball, that's a good thing to, to see, to watch. But, uh, you know, let me just tell you, one day recently, um, retired uh, WNBA player Rebecca Lobo was looking at me at, a, at my local dollar store wondering what's wrong with me because uh, I'm a, an advocate of uh, supporting uh, men's sports, uh, men's activities. Uh, I'm not eccentric towards uh, those types of things. But I think that if you look carefully... Presently, you know, in our U.S. military, we have lieutenant generals. Uh, we have um, uh, our two police commission. Uh, one police commissioner is Keyshawn Sewell, first uh, black uh, uh, and also female uh, police commissioner. My peer that I graduated with in high school at St. John's Preparatory School, uh, Laura Cavanaugh, is the FDNY police co- uh, fire commissioner. So we have a, a large array of women in top positions. And uh, I would just like to also state that, you know, you might not agree with what I'm going to say, but I think that James Brown, when he, uh, the late James Brown, when he says this is a man's world, and when Marvin Gaye, the late Marvin Gaye saying, I heard it through the grapevine, they, they left us two beautiful songs that actually stated that women had no rights at one point. And now women have full opportunities. And what you're saying about, you know, the um, the, the, the women's sports uh, uh, is, is dominant now is fine. I mean, you know, but I think that the disparaging is that men uh, have changed the, their attitudes in certain ways towards women. Uh, I don't think that women uh, are are damaging anything, but you know we had a. I know the only woman that I know, and I don't want to be defamatory over the radio waves, but uh, Miss Allred, when she that I think she's an attorney. She she comes out running when she hears that there's a a, a man who is uh, eccentric towards women's uh, equal values or uh, women's rights. So you know you have these radicals that that do hurt men. Uh, you have other situations where men are culpable of what they do to women. There, so. l- let me address the things that you're saying, and I thank you. Be frank. Look, there's no question that men's attitude toward women is changing. And you know what? Good. It should change. And it's been long overdue in some cases. You know, I, I have one of the things that I, I don't remember when it struck me, and forgive me, ladies, that it actually had to actually strike me that it wasn't born with this attitude was that women, when you, when, when you look at everything, what difference in, is there in the soul of a human being toward the soul of another human being? Of course women have the same, well, when I say the same, of course women have aspirations for what they want. Of course women want to feel like they are equal members of society in all aspects. Of course they do, because they are. We are all creatures. Mankind, womankind, we are all creatures of one God. He made us all. And these souls that we have in us are, are, are one, th- they are a spark of the divine, a spark of the essence of life. And so, of course, and the way that men, including me and in earlier incarnations of myself, have treated women leaves a lot to be desired sometimes, like they're our property, like they are 
uh, like they are somehow or another, uh, because they're women, that they should be... (sighs) Let me just say this. Of course, the attitudes are changing. Now, that doesn't mean that everything is hunky-dory in the way that the feminists have portrayed this quote-unquote division, the fault lines of gender. And most successful relationships, I'm not the one to talk about successful relationships, so let me just back out of that one right now. But (laughs) of course we we need to see some of these changes. Title IX was a good thing. Of course our girls should be able to compete in sports. Competition does good things for people. It helps you bring out the best in yourself and achieve things that you never thought were achievable. Of course girls need to experience that too, those that want it. So these things, these some of these societal things that are happening, some of them are not good. But there are many of the changes that have happened that are good. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Christine, Middletown, Connecticut. Thank you, Christine. I'm glad you, hi, Christine, I'm glad you waited. It's been a while since I've heard from you. Well, you know, you talked about the trans female in sports, so I took it upon myself to put an end to it in the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference, the high school girls. I emailed some politicians. I haven't heard back on it. And then I went on the CIAC website and, uh, Glenn Lungarini, he answers transgender questions, so I sent him an email suggesting a change in the rules of which would put an end to this. And nothing, I've heard nothing on that too, sir. And then I contacted the United States Bowling Congress, which is my sport, and they made me eligible for this year because we had to um, send a video of our game for analyzing at headquarters along with our medical statement from the doctors. They said they can't ban us totally starting next year because they're involved with the United, the United States Olympic Committee. So it's the USOC and the IOC, which allows trans females in sports. And if they could get rid of it, I think we won't see it no more. I think it's a bad look, and I'm, I'm against it now. Mm. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Christine. I, what do you think about this Joe Biden administration move to prohibit schools from actually and states, to prohibit states from saying, okay, girls can't play boys' sports. No. Or transgendered boys can't play and compete in girls' sports, necessarily. Up to the sports organization, and we should put the pressure on these sports organizations. It's a bad look. I know with the medicine, just picture a big SUV, pull the engine out and put an engine with a smart car. And that's not going to run good. That's how I could say what HRT has done to me with testosterone blockers and my strength. But it's still a bad optic. Leah, op- Leah Thomas was a horrible optic. And it didn't help us in the transsexuals either. I think the ship has sailed on this, James. Well, I hope you're right in a way. I think this battle, frankly, though, we, I think we have a lot more to go, Christine, sadly. Yeah. And, I, and I hate to see the way, I hate to see the way that some of these things are just being you know, us against them in, in, in the media coverage of this stuff. 
because it goes deeper than that. It should go to what's in the best interest of society overall and what is in the best interest of the people that are affected by it. And I mean all of the people. You know, this thing is affecting girls that want to compete. There are a lot of girls like this um, woman, Ridley, um, I forget her last name right now. She was just beat up the other day for making a speech. She's a female athlete, and she's saying this is not fair. She was out in the, uh, in the left coast, and she literally got beat up by some, of these, by some trans activists. Of course, we're not going to hear too much about that. <coughs> you get the last word, Christine. Well, they are evil. And uh, I'll talk about being silent. NPR Radio in Connecticut, they've, uh, they didn't run two of the interviews when they asked me, and they wouldn't put me on into the queue when Governor Lamont was on last week when I could bring uh, the medical issue with stopping it with the kids. So they're silencing wow. me, too. Well, you're always welcome here, Christine. You know that. We love you, and thank you thank for you. calling. Thank you so much. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Uh, is this Lois in Queens? Is that who's who's holding there? Lois, how are you? Lois, are you there? Well, we'll move on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Jack in New Jersey, you've been waiting a heck of a long time. Thank you for your patience, Jack. How are you? Good, Bo. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. You know, I wanted to, I, all the stuff that we've been talking about, be it the transgender, the Tennessee thing, whatever, but this whole uh, discussion about the petrodollars and how lack of of uh, coverage it's getting, and I guess the one thing that I'm trying to think about is, you know, I bring up these issues with, with say, people in the family, and they say, well, what am I supposed to do about this, right? So, if the BRIC nations are, are beginning to transact in everything but U.S. dollars, people don't realize what that implication has for mortgages, car loans, everything that we've, we've had a, a beautiful time enjoying of, of a cheap dollar. You have, you, you're on to something here that most people, this, this stuff, see, the problem with discussing this stuff is you get into eye glaze territory. You start talking about petrodollars and global financing and people's eyes, they literally glaze over. That's because we don't understand, most of us don't understand geopolitical economics. Let's face it, it's not taught. Here's, and, and so what you're talking about is something that's very real. It is happening underneath our nose and it's happening because of weakness from this administration. Let me see if I can explain just a little bit of it in a way that will make sense. China and Russia have formed an alliance, and that alliance is to basically destabilize the United States of America. And one of the things that Russia did, partially because of this Ukrainian war, is saying we're going to stop honoring people that pay in petrodollars. You can no longer pay us in U.S. dollars. We have to take rubles. Now, people in Europe that buy energy from them, they have no choice. If you want the energy, you either pay in rubles or go cold. Danger, danger. Other nations are looking at the United States and saying, we don't like you anymore. Saudi Arabia. Again, all these years, the oil dollars, oil currency has been the United States currency that moves back and forth with the trade of oil around the world, petro 
dollars, petroleum dollars. So, it's there. so all of a sudden, you have nations like Saudi Arabia saying, you know what, the U.S. dollar thing is kind of lame. I think maybe we should start looking at other currencies. The United States dollar, the reason that we were the world superpower, one of the reasons is that our currency was used as a safe currency around the world. People understood that the United States was a stable nation, and therefore our currency had the aura of stability around it. It was a barometer for trade. Right now, other nations are saying we are not going to use petrodollars. We're not going to use the U.S. dollar. And at the same time you have that happening, you have the emergence of crypto. You have the emergence of digital currencies. And all of this is changing the way that business is being done around the world. That's the short story. But this gets more involved. And Jack here is absolutely right. The moves that are being made on the world stage right now will affect life in generations to come for Americans. And a lot of what's happening in this currency, geocurrency world is not good for the long-term economic viability of the United States of America. And a lot of it is happening due to the weakness and the ineptness of this Biden administration. And it's happening before our eyes. You know, someone, Larry Kudlow would be, whose show comes up next, Larry knows a lot about this stuff. And Larry's a good person to talk to about this. Larry Kudlow's an economic genius. And we have him right here on WABC. So make sure you keep your dial set here. And if you want, call and ask Larry about some of this stuff, because I'm telling you, you're not going to get, Larry Kudlow knows the deal and can explain this far better than I can. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back. America's small caffeinated mom. And more of your calls. Don't go away. Hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melodies. You turn to me as if to say, hurry boy, it's waiting there for you. Bo knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. WABC. I haven't heard this in a while. Talk Radio 77. Yes, how did you get here indeed? America's small caffeinated mom is here. How did we get here? Rhonda, how are you this morning? I'm doing good, James. Happy Easter to you and the team. And happy Easter to you, Rhonda. Rhonda, I saw a documentary. I saw a documentary last night. I was half asleep doing it, uh, watching it, but I saw most of it. And it was about the prairie land. 
and oh. of, of, of the United States of America and how they're introducing all these kind of different wildlife back into, into uh, the prairie, the, uh, the, the foxes and the bisons and all this good stuff. It was kind of amazing. And I thought about you because they showed some scenes of the farmland out there. And it is beautiful beyond compare. It is just absolutely stunningly beautiful. And you you send me pictures time to time well, from from and I really enjoy those pictures that you send me from life in the uh, mm. in, in 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 USA in real USA. So I just wanted to say thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. Um, I did grow up on the prairie, actually, uh, the Kansas Prairie, to be exact. Uh, my my grandfather, my great grandfather, came to the prairie in a covered wagon as an infant. So my roots on the Kansas prairie are very deep. Um, that prairie has a very stark beauty. Uh, my people were wheat farmers, and so there's nothing like a Kansas wheat field that has turned gold in the summer sun. And, of course, there's always the wind. So it looks like a sea of golden waves, the waves of golden grain, you know. I lived there. It's a, it's a stark beauty that is specific um, to that to that part of the country. Yes. So now we live in cornfield country, and that has its own beauty. So I'm glad you're enjoying the pictures. I, I like sending you little snippets of, of what life is like here. Right. So you have an essay this week, Rhonda. What's up? Yes, I do. Um, I, oh, the state of the country is always on my mind. It's never off of my mind. I, as you know, our, as our listeners know, the ones that have followed us, my husband and I have four sons, and uh, I carry a very fierce maternal and protective love. Uh, when I was growing up on the prairie, actually, I would daydream about what my life would be like when I grew up, and I would imagine myself having a nice, even mix of boys and girls. <laughs> well, that was a daydream because I didn't get a nice, even mix. It's not even at all, but it's been very nice. And if anybody in my life has taught me about the power of prayer and the need for prayer, it has been my son's. Uh, back at Thanksgiving time, you and I sat down and we talked about my oldest son's journey into the world of drug addiction. He ended up being homeless three three years ago right now. He was on the streets. Um, we had very limited contact with him. He was in dire straits. Well, this last Christmas, as you know, uh, he and all of his brothers came home. Our four sons are in four different states, and they were all home for two weeks at Christmas. And it was like, you know, the Egyptian locust that descended and just swept through my pantry. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was awesome. I loved it. But one of those, well, both Sundays, we had the beautiful privilege of going to church together. I could look down the row and there were my sons singing and worshiping God. And after one of those services, that oldest son of mine who had taken us to hell and back, he was talking a little bit about his story to one of the other parishioners, and this is what came out of his mouth. He said, I called my mom one day, and I was mad, and I said, are you praying against me? Because at the time, he was, well, he told me once, I worked very hard at not working. In other words, he would try to come up with these shady deals and schemes that were outside the law, and every time he would get one set up, it looked like it was going to go through. Something would come up, and it would fall through. And it had happened again, and he just felt in his heart that mother was praying against him. That's how he thought of it. Well, we laughed, 
But it reminded me of an important lesson he, his journey taught me, and that was the power of prayer, and that even all those years when it looked like the hand of God was not moving, that God was not doing anything, he was, it was exactly the opposite. He was all over our son's journey, and I was just so grateful. The other, the other thing I wanted to share with you is that during that time uh, of his journey into drug addiction, uh, he had gone away to an earlier a program earlier in his journey for like seven months. He came home, and we, wa- we began to see him sliding back down, and we were alarmed. He was getting back in with the old friends, and so one day when I was out running down our country road, I was praying, and I was saying, God, please send him good friends, and the Almighty stopped me cold on the road that day. And he said, very quietly, it doesn't work like that. He has to want that kind. And I thought, but of course, none of us do anything we don't want to do. So immediately I began praying. Um, uh, It comes from the book of Philippians chapter two, verse 13, for it is God that works in you to help you to will and then to do of his good pleasure. It was a light bulb moment, and it changed forever the way I pray for him, the way I pray for myself, the way I pray for many other people. And I said, okay, Lord, change his desires. Give him good desires because I know when he wants the right thing, he will do the right thing. And now years later, here is my son standing in a church telling someone else uh, how God had worked in his life. He, was a, he is a brand new man. So I tell that to encourage our listeners, and James, all the love and maternal uh, fierceness and tenderness and compassion that I feel for my sons is what I feel for this country and for my people. I cannot explain it any better than that. I have that love for my country. And so when I pray for my sons, I have the same desires for the people in this country. I pray that my sons will have an extraordinary hunger for God and his word, because then they will live good and right and noble lives. I pray that they will have an uncommon love for other people. Can you imagine our fam- a family who has an uncommon love for other people? Um, that spreading like ripples and a country coming to have an uncommon love for other people, it would transform us. I pray for the boys' faith. I pray for the faith of those in my country. I pray when I pray for my son specifically, I pray for the right women to come along. But you know what? I don't stop there and I ask God to make them the right men. How I long for that for my country, that we will be the right men and women, that we won't wait for the people around us to change, but we will be those people. And James, before I forget to tell you, this morning when I woke up and I was going through show prep in my head, I prayed for you and your team by name. You have all endeared yourselves to me. Avery, Diego, Camelia, uh, Derek, Mark Stein, Princess Diana, you, Lisa, Michelle, all the people that worked so hard for your endeavor. I prayed for them. Yes, and don't forget Scott. He needs prayers, too. Yes, I did. (laughs) After that dog story today, I don't know, you know. I did. I did pray for Scott and Bob. I just love hearing their voices. But I pray for the boys' purpose and direction because they were made to do something of value in this world, and I want them to find it and to do it. And I want well, that for all of my fellow citizens. Well, we so appreciate you, Rhonda. We love you, and thank you for that. I want to just say that some of the things you're saying reminds me that we need to thank Glenn Beck, yes. who was on this show on Wednesday. And Glenn 
brought the house. Yes. You know, Glenn talked about these things, too, in his own way, and the way that is uniquely his own. And he talked about America being a nation that has to deserve the grace of God and that we need to actually align ourselves back in order for us to be the finest nation. It was very, very powerful and very moving. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for bringing that up. I wanted to mention how much I appreciated that. And he was exactly right when he said, God is not on our side. We are on God's side. And it is for that I pray. We need to be. Yep. Yes. And when I ask God to bless America, it is not so that we can sit and get fat and drunken off of our many blessings. It is so that we can be a channel of blessing to the world. That's what I want. And I'll tell you this, too. Just That's on what a side, m- many of us want. I hope mm-hmm. so. I feel a kinship with your mother and with Russia's mother because we have all three raised sons. And I'm sure that those other two mothers were praying mothers as well. And I just reflected. My mother prayed for me every day of her life. See, I love your mother already. My mother prayed for me every day of her life and her children. That's what she did. And she told us that up until the end. Mm -hmm. You know what? And and thank God. I had a mom that was just, like I said, my mom was a saint. And I I, I can't put it another way. That's the way I look at it. Her prayers. Um, but my grandmother, too. You know what, Rhonda, let me just say this, and uh, then we got to go, because, Rhonda, yeah. I had a grandmother. My, my, my grandmothers were both amazing, but my, my paternal grandmother, we called her Big Mama. My grandmother, when I would go to stay with her up in Buffalo, New York, um, when we had, like, Easter break, I remember being up there at Easter time, or in the summer I would go up and hang out with my grandma. And... My grandmother would be up at 4.30 in the morning, and I would wake up. You know, I was a teenager then, a young teenager. And I would wake up and get out of bed and go and look, and my grandmother was on her knees praying and would be in on her knees praying for her family and for everyone at 4.30 in the morning. And, I mean, I'm telling you, and I would say wow. an hour later, and my grandmother was still praying. Mm. And it was, and to this day, that image stays with me of, of my grandmother on her knees asking. And I, and in fact, I told this to one of my first cousins. I think that whatever successes my family has had as a family are in large part due to the prayers of my, my grandmother. You know, you, you have Rhonda, a rich legacy. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Rhonda. Yes. Thank you so much, James. We appreciate you and we love you. Happy Easter, I love Rhonda. You too. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. James Golden, A.K. Snurvy, your telephone call is coming up. WABC.
Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio, 77. You can find me at at Bo Snurdly on Twitter. S-N-E-R-D-L-E-Y, at Bo Snurdly. You can also sign up for our twice-a-day news blast at the Daily BS. TheDailyBS.com. Okay, Anthony, New Jersey. You're on WABC. How are you, Anthony? Um, I, I called up because I wanted to clear something up with you. I called you up a couple months ago, and we were you were talking about women. And I called up, and I said in the Scripture that God had commanded men to, to take the lead in the family there. And you cut me off right there. You didn't allow me to finish, and you went on uh, talking and saying how everything a man does he does for women that women control the world and i look you look like prince charming and i look like an idiot i wanted to you to understand and the listeners to understand that i love women i love women and i know when god gave that commandment he loves women the first person that jesus talked to was a samaritan woman and the women in the cave was mary and magdalene that he first sat and revealed himself to uh, after the resurrection there so i love women and i don't want to come across, though I don't love women there. But there was something for that scripture, there was an order in that scripture where I kept the family unit together, that it was built on love. It wasn't built on division or that men were any better than women. Obviously, they're not there. If anything, in my life, I have nothing but women in my life. I love them. I got five sisters. My mother, they were the strongest ever. My mother was stronger than my father. My sisters were stronger than my father. I want you to understand that, and I want your listeners to know that when I made that comment, I made it out of love and nothing but love. Thank you. Well, Bo. let me apologize to you for cutting you off before you could get that out. I try not to do that. And so if I wronged you, I am humbly sorry, and I'm glad you got a chance to, to – uh, and nothing that you said today I find distressing or disturbing. I think what you said stated today was an excellent view to have. Uh, Anthony, you get the last word. Thank you. I love you, and I love all your listeners out there. And remember, there's nothing but love all around us. All we have to do is open our eyes. Enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye. And I love you, too. Thank you. I love you, too. Thank you so much. And there is love all around. That's what this show is about. We believe in love. We love love. Carlo and Chelsea, welcome. WABC, how are you? First of all, thank you for running uh, Judy Holiday, Lady Day. On Billy Holiday, Billy Holiday. Mm-hmm. On, on Judy Holiday, maybe she was an Academy Award actress, singer, dancer, and a great singer. Maybe you could run some of her music. Anyway, but what I want to say is uh, rapid fire, and then you respond. The bottom line is Alvin Bragg's out of his mind. He's drunk with power. He thinks he's above the law. He's definitely above 300 pounds. Trump is not a saint, but he did a lot for the veterans. He kept us safe. And this is just political trash. The liberal, I don't like either party, but the liberal Democrats are a disgrace what they're doing. All of what you said this morning, I'm in agreement with you. The bottom line is $13 million, Bo, for the NYCPD for his uh, Trump's appearance for security. That doesn't include state police or federal police. And meanwhile, New York City, the richest city in the world, Bo, 
is the only major American city that does not have a city of administered, run, supervised retirement home for American veterans. It's either the garbage shelters where they kill and rape people, the thugs, or it's the street. This American Marine and this American Marine mongrel, we camped out in the woods because it was safer than the street. Thank God we're in an apartment now, but it took 18 months, 18 months with a private agency. Finally, and it's not even a wheelchair access. We go to food banks in New York and New Jersey. I'm in a wheelchair, American Marine, and the dog, 111 pounds of American Marine mongrel, pulls me in the wheelchair, and we get food to the American veteran shut-in. Living the words of Christ and Matthew, when I was hungry, you gave me to eat. What I'm saying is things have to change. It's up to the people who owe their freedom by the grace of God and American and NATO troops and veterans to pressure the powers that be, both parties, local, state, federal, to stop this woke nonsense and to help the veterans, American and NATO veterans, the disabled, the children, the legal immigrants. Stop wasting our time. And the media is a, they're a bunch of whores the way they waste their time on the Kardashians and other garbage. Use the gifts that God gave you, the tools to make things better for the decent people, the animals, the men, women, and children, dogs, and cats. Make a difference for the better. And I leave you with Nostro Dio Gesù Cristo salute lei anche tua famiglia durante il santo stagione di Pasqua. E sempre, may our Lord Jesus Christ bless you and yours during this holy season of Easter and always. Keep up the great work, Bo. Thank you, Carlo. God bless you. I'm not going to say anything to what He spoke well and his own sentiments. I, well, I am going to say something. I'm still sitting on this story that I thought I was going to get today. Assisted living homes are rejecting Medicaid and evicting seniors. And that's some of what I want to talk about is the fact that we have some major issues in this country. This 91-year-old woman used a walker to get around. She has dementia. She's enrolled in hospice in a home, assisted living home for four years, and then kicked out onto the street, kicked into the street. There's no moral reason that this could happen. Nothing. This is highly immoral. And these evictions are happening at a rate that now is starting to get attention. There are thousands upon thousands of them happening. And some 4.4 million Americans have some form of long-term care paid by Medicare. And we have a story coming up Monday, and I talked about this story before, about how people in New York just got cheated. Those of you that work for unions in New York, Mayor Adams and your union thugs just took what was promised to you for years, retired city workers, just took it and said, never mind, we're going to put you on Medicaid. And this is what they're doing on Medicaid. They're throwing old people out into the streets. We've got some real issues in this country that have to be addressed, that go to the very center of who we are as a people and what is moral and what is immoral. And these are big issues, and they require big solutions. And instead, we're wasting time, and these issues are not even being addressed in Congress, not at all. But this is where people live. What happens to me when I get old? You know, it's not just that the Democrats want to see you not come out of the womb and do everything they can to kill you in the womb. If you do make it out and you make it to old age, then they want to make sure that you, then their policies that throw them on the street. 
But it's unfair for me to say Democrats because this is a both party issue that will allow seniors in their years where they shouldn't even be thinking about security to be evicted from assisted living while you're in hospice. Kind of human beings do that to each other. So I still have that story from today, and I will get to it. I'm keeping it right here on this desk until I do. There's another story that I've kept from the L.A. Times. Undocumented workers should be able to get unemployment benefits. That one's in the L.A. Times. And then there are more. But so quickly, time evaporates, and here we are again at the end of our third hour on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We have a lot of fun here. I have the best crew in radio. I say it all the time, and I mean it. And I appreciate being able to come here and speak with you and have you call and have you listen. I'm just filled with gratitude for you and to be back on WABC, my home station, station I grew up listening to, wanting to be a part of. Monday, 4 o'clock, Boston Early's Rush Hour. Thank you. I want to say Happy Easter to every one of you. I would like to say some things about... It was only this year that I was able to actually watch The Passion of the Christ. And it still made me so upset. But... That said, happy Easter. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. Be back on Monday, God willing. See you then. Bye.